we can read a portion of God's word in the Acts of the Apostles and in the twelfth chapter. The twelfth chapter in the Acts of the Apostles. about that time Herod the king stretched for his hands to vex certain of the church and to kill James the brother of John with his sword and because he sought please the Jews he proceeded further to take Peter also then were the days of unleavened bread and when he apprehended him he put him in prison and delivered him to to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after this to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. <coughs> and the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, that thought his salvation. When they were past the first and the second world, they came into the iron gate that led unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And he went out, and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. <coughs> and when Peter was come <coughs> to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of heaven, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to Hushkin, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's spies, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning to them with his hand to hold their peace, declared unto them, 
how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stay among the soldiers what, became, what, be, what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him, and having made bastards, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace, because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon the throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had finished that ministry and took with, him, with them John, whose surname was Mark. Let us turn to the portion of scripture we have read together. The Acts of the Apostles and the twelfth chapter. And we shall we shall read again at the 16th verse. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And the scriptures are from God and they are therefore so rich that various lessons can be gathered from the same portion. And uh, this, this chapter uh, which we have in connection with the deliverance of the Apostle Peter is one of these which can be used in edifying the people of God down through the ages in various ways. And supposing a person had predicted at that time that an angel from heaven was to visit Jerusalem and, to, and also to visit one house or one building and only one man in the city. I am quite sure that no one would assume or think that it would be the strongest prison you could find anywhere. 
So is the providence of God so very mysterious that it is only when it comes to pass that we can say truly it was the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. <clears throat> there are several lessons to be gathered from the deliverance of Peter. And I would briefly uh, look at, at uh, the teaching that is connected with it, with the incident itself. It could be first applied to the state in which the sinner is by his, by his sinfulness, that he is in a prison. And secondly, we can consider the way by which a sinner can be delivered from that imprisonment. And thirdly, we can consider that there are difficulties and trials in life from which it would be foolish of us to expect an angel or a miraculous deliverance of this kind. There are cases where the Lord has already endowed us with sufficient wisdom and sufficient strength to do certain things. <clears throat> now let us first consider this as a state of a sin. And I'm quite sure there are some in our midst, even in the very midst of the church and under the preaching of the gospel, who are still under the condemnation of their sin. And they are imprisoned in a condition from which they themselves cannot escape. And they might be in the very same attitude to these things as Peter was in prison. Prison, we have Peter in prison not as a sinner, but because he was declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ which delivers a person from the state of sin, from the imprisonment in which they are by nature. Peter and James and John were leaders among the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this instance took place at Easter. And it was at Easter we remember that the Lord Jesus Christ was put to death. And no doubt the apostles would be reminding the people at, the, at this time again, because it was a festival of the Jews, they were commanded to remember the, the, the Passover, not a sister, the Passover lamb. And no faithful Jew would overlook that or work at that during that week. It was a week of, that was consecrated to God to remind them of the way in which they were delivered from Egypt. 
tiny killing and lime and sprinkling its blood upon the doorposts and the lintels of their homes. And it was clearly stated to them that no other remedy, however strong their houses would be and how barred and locked every door and window would be, that nothing in the world could deliver them from the passing angel of death but the blood on the door. And that is a lesson for all times to the Church of Christ. And Peter and John and James were great preachers and at the anniversary of the death of Christ, the second anniversary, they no doubt declared that Christ was actually the Passover lamb and that nothing could save the Jews unless his blood was applied to them. That is, the death of Christ received as their substitute and and that he had died on their behalf. Nothing else could deliver them. The Jews, though they were the, the Church of Christ, they were under the same condemnation as the heathen, unless they received the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same is true concerning you. Though you are in, in an evangelical church, and hearing many sermons, that of itself will not save anyone unless it is used by the Spirit of God to lead you unto Christ. Now, James and, James and John and were great preachers because when you read the, the Gospel according to John, um, you will notice the tenderness with which he reads and that he was a very loving apostle. And they called him the loving apostle. But he was, James, his brother and himself, were called the sons of thunder because of their preaching. It was John who came to Christ when the Samaritans wouldn't allow Christ into the cities that asked Christ, shall we call fire from heaven upon them as Elijah did? And Christ said to them, you don't know the spirit you love. They didn't come to destroy, but to see So we see uh, that James must have been a, a terrific, a thunderous preacher. And the people were attending and gathering and Herod put him to death. And when he saw that this delighted the Jews, he went on to to pick the next best. And Peter was imprisoned and we read that he intended to take him out after Easter. He wouldn't, he wouldn't put him to death during the festival days, but immediately after. And here was the last day of the festivities of the Jews for the Passover and he was going to take him out the next day. Now Peter is in prison and we know it's clearly stated for our edification how he was tied in the inner prison. There were 16 soldiers guarding him, guarding one, one man. 
was Herod afraid of when he put so many and put Peter in such condition? He was laid flat on the floor on the on the, on the on the floor of the prison, and his feet in the stocks, and each hand tied to a soldier, and two soldiers standing outside the door of the prison, and Peter in the inner prison, and they were relieved for hours about sixteen soldiers detained for nothing else but to attend to this man an apostle of Christ, a man who, who they knew would do no harm. And do you think he was, that Herod was afraid that the other disciples or other Christians would invade the prison and deliver Peter by force? I don't think so. It wasn't to guard him against, uh, the Jew, against his own folk, against the Christians at all. He knew sufficient of the Christian religion that they wouldn't do that. But he was trying to guard him from any spiritual power. That he was to be kept, that even heaven couldn't take him out of his hands. And he was going to take him out the next day. Now, if you knew for certainty that you were to be put to death, and tomorrow, how would you spend the night before? Could you really lying on the floor on a hard concrete floor and sleep? Well, some of the covenanters did that. Mr. Guthrie and another mentor with him was imprisoned tried and imprisoned and ordered to be hanged in Edinburgh on a certain day. And on the morning of that day, Mr. Guthrie woke up and then called to his, to his friend and he said, Up, he said, arise, he was asleep too. Remember, there's great work before us this day. Both of us were to be hanged publicly. And they were allowed to speak from the scaffold. And Mr. Guthrie said that many a time he went up the steps of his pulpit with greater fear than going up the steps of the scaffold. That was a martyr, a Scottish martyr, and Peter was reconciled to God. He was at peace with God. He was in the hands of God. And he, he had this full confidence. If God meant uh, to allow them to kill him, he knew that he would be immediately, that same day, with Christ in paradise. Death had no fear whatsoever for him. And he slept as soundly as he ever did on the night before he was to be put to death. Now, that again is an illustration of the state of the unbeliever. It is quite amazing. In the midst of all danger 
and in the midst of the type of life we live today that the sinner can continue day after day, year after year without any fear of death. He puts death so far away, he feels so well and so strong and he, he, he puts death out of his mind altogether. He tries to entertain himself as if he were, as if he were not to die at all. Now that is a part of the great delusion of sin. It kills and dumps our minds and our, our hearts about what we are. We are reminded by the word of God. We are reminded by the, the preachers of the scriptures. We are reminded on the right hand and on the left that the whole human race is under condemnation. We have sinned, and every sin, one single sin, demands the wrath and the curse of God, not only in this life, but forever. And yet that will not move the sinner to cry unto God and for, for forgiveness. Now then, what is so fearful about sin? What is sin? Well, we, it's difficult to describe it, but God's law governs all things. We might not see it, supposing we have never heard it being, being of it, the way it is written in the scriptures. God's law is part of his nature. It is the way in which he acts against wrongdoing. Whether it is a man or an angel or whatever it is, it is this very nature reacts immediately against a wrongdoing. It is a revulsion that he feels against a sin that is right against his own nature. And he can't but react like that against it. And if no other provision was made, God would destroy every sinner immediately. The kind of destruction that we think of in death because what we call death is only partial death. There are, there, as some of you know, there are, death is used for the body, but it's also used for the soul. The soul of man is constituted in a way that it cannot die. God has created it in that way, but it will never die. So the body and soul may be separated. The soul will continue either in eternal bliss with God or will be condemned and cast where the angels are. <clears throat> and they are under his condemnation. They are the powers of darkness they are where there'll be uh, where there'll be lamentation forever and ever. Now that is the state of the sinner. He is bound by law and he is bound by justice. God has condemned him and he cannot escape out of it. There he is and there's nothing you or I can do for him. There is no remedy for the sinner but in one way alone. 
Wherever movement of heaven is given, whereby that any help or deliverance can come to the sinner, but through God himself. That is the state. But you don't believe it. You think that you can part from your sin, that you can justify yourself, that you can be changed over any time you make. And you would rather leave it to the last day of your life. And then ask God to take you to heaven. Well, you can't have it that way. Though God might, it is rare. <clears throat> they, are, they are under condemnation already. They don't need way to, to wait to the, to the judgment as seat of Christ when he comes then, when he comes again. <clears throat> Our hands are, da- are tied by cha- chains that no human being and no pope and no minister or no or elder can open the chains that ties the hands of the the hands of the sinner. And our feet are in the stock. And you see, these two things being true of us, we cannot do anything. You can hardly do anything without your hands. And you cannot walk or run or do anything if your feet are in the stocks. You're bound, hand and foot. And even worse, you're asleep. That is the state of the sinner. It's just vividly described in the state of Peter as he is in the prison. He is in a prison and the condemnation has gone forth already and it's only a matter of time till it will be uh, executed. Now, the deliverance was miraculous. And the deliverance of every sinner is miraculous. It doesn't matter how he is brought out of sin. It's one of the greatest mysteries in the world. And a wonder of wonders, and it will be a wonder of wonders to everyone who is delivered. And they are all delivered in a sense in the same way and by the same means. But But their experience is so different. But it's done by the same way. It is done through the one way only. God has only one way whereby he can deliver sinners. And it is through the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to open a way of access to sinners to come unto God and for God to go out to sinners and invite them to come to this to this door. And the door is the Lord Jesus Christ in all that he did, in the obedience he gave to the law, in the sacrifice, in the sacrificial death he endured, and in all that he did, he was glorifying the Lord, uh, the Father. And, and giving perfect obedience in the room and in the place of sinners. And 
he was made like unto them in his in his walk through life in his obedience you see he was he was made poor like a sinner he was made like like unto the sinner in his in his condition he was completely holy because he was the eternal son of god at the same time i can't wait to uh, try to explain how could he be god and man and his manhood in such low condition uh, but that's how he was he was the lord of glory and appeared in the likeness of sinful men that's how the scripture describes it he was and it was because he was to give perfect obedience to the law of god now you know what the law of god is it's summary of it is in the tenth commandment but they, but Christ summarized the Ten Commandments into two: to love the Lord with all thy might, and to love thy neighbour as thyself. That is the sum of the law. And you can see how high that law is: to love thy neighbour as thyself. Who could do that? And. To love the Lord with all thy might. We are willing to examine ourselves, to examine our feelings and what our heart is, to see how infinitely short we come of that. <clears throat> well, in the case of Peter, he was asleep, he was tired, he was unable to do anything for himself. And so are you. You cannot do anything for yourself in, a, in, a, in this deliverance out of the prison in which the law of God has placed everyone who has sinned, and we are sinful by nature. And the first thing that, that the angel of God that came through the closed doors and came into the inner prison was to shine there, light came into the prison and it would appear that those who were chained to Peter with the, was, would be sitting beside him and the very light that came into prison shining in prison might have put them to sleep that sometimes that is what the gospel of Christ does to sinners did you ever see anyone sleeping in, a, in the church? Um, there is an instance told by one of the great divines in England that of a lady who, who couldn't sleep and they had tried all kinds of sleeping medicines to her and she couldn't sleep and at last she said, away with all medicine, bring me to the parish church where I used to sleep. And they brought her to the parish church, and she did, she did. And she has many powers. But none not be at the end of the world, or anywhere that concerns their own salvation. And here, the, 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 the watchers here in prison, watching Peter, they must have slept too. 
that on the first thing the light came, the light of the glorious gospel is still shining in us. And we will sleep under it and are unconcerned over it. It brings no light. They heard it a thousand times and yet they can't see anything. But remember this. There is no salvation for anyone when there is no gospel. There is no right above anyone being saved apart from the gospel. And we might treat it and we might wish that it was destroyed in the midst so that the new generation would have a freedom to sin and do what they like and enjoy themselves. That the gospel is, uh, is a dead thing that, uh, that, that, that uh, spoils the joy and, uh, and makes life to be so happy. The gospel is especially the kind of gospel that we get in scriptures. There is a gospel that tells you that there is no trials, no difficulties in the gospel, that it's just something to get you through easily without, without any trials at all. Cast all your cares away and you'll be all right. And that is not the gospel that that we have because we are sinners and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ uh, through a sinful world will meet with the powers of evil, we will meet with the difficulties of our own carnal mind and we will meet with all the kinds of trials. But you see the light of the gospel is the only means by which we can be delivered from the imprisonment of sin and of God upon us in that sin. And the next thing that we have, have light shined in the prison. In the darkness there was no window or anything or any light during the night and light shined in the prison. And the next thing was the angel smoked the side of Peter. And that's indicative really of conviction of sin. That is the first thing that you will realize in your salvation that you have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And until we realize that we are sinners, the gospel has no meaning for us. It's suggests an interesting story. <clears throat> the angels made the side of Peter and it, as I said, uses the beginning, it is sinners he came to sin. And apart from knowing that we are sinners, the gospel is meaningless because it is, it is provided by God, it is the only way by which we can be saved. And, and the next they smote the sight of Peter and, and, said, and, said to him, and said to him, Arise quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. By the words of the angel. He hadn't to loose himself, nevertheless, but rise up quickly. Now do you see the mystery of this? 
I was, I was telling you, your hands are bound, your feet are in the stocks, you're in imprisonment. And here the word of God tells you to arise. Well, how can, how can the word of God tell a person who is dead in trespasses and sin, who is bound hand and foot by the sinfulness of religion and by the law of God, how can he arise? Well, faith comes by hearing. And hearing itself comes by the word of God. It is the word of God that can give us the hearing ear and the understanding heart. And it creates faith in us. And we respond to God's word. Arise at once. And the person arises from the state in which he is by nature and he becomes a, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see at once he said, Give thyself and bind on thy sandals. Now that is a preparation for work. The Jews had cloaks, long and loose clothes, and they had a, a girdle when they were going to work or to run or to walk hurriedly by which they could gird their waist and, and be, that it would there be no uh, hindrance in their clothes from running or working or anything and the angel commands them to do so. There is work for him to do and the work immediately is to follow the angel, to escape out of the dungeon, to come out from the condemnation of the law. <clears throat> and he said, follow me. And he, he got up, put down his hands, put down his, his, his outer clothes, and walked and followed the angel till he came to the big iron gate that was on the wall of the city, and which opened to them of its own accord. No one hindered it open by an invisible power. And if you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find various things in the way. Perhaps one of the most difficult gates that might be in your way would be to come to the weekly prayer meeting. Oh, that gate, it's, it's so, so strong and so impossible for you to open it. And you dare not go. Supposing you would desire with all your heart to go, then you're afraid that people will say, oh, he is a convert. He's, he has changed. And you, you, you don't feel the change. Peter didn't feel the change. He still thought he was dreaming. And he, he thought he was seeing a, a wonderful dream. Until the angel departed. And when the angel departed, he came to himself. And he said, The Lord has delivered me. Not the angel, but the Lord has delivered me. Can you find yourself, can you understand these things in your own personal experience? Well, if you do, you'll have marks of a saved soul. And the, law, the angel didn't give him any more instruction. 
she, he didn't tell her where to go or what to do. All that the angel was sent to do, he did it. He opened his bones, he let him out of prison, and he let him loose on the streets of Jerusalem. And he came, as if it were, by instinct to the house of Mark, where a continual prayer was made there on his behalf. We might say that the prayer continued after the death of James and Peter being arrested, that the persecution had started on the, the brightest Christians first, and, and so forth. They were praying continually in that house, and Peter came to that house, and there were, they were closed in, the gate was locked there. And no angel uh, came, to, uh, came to deliver him. <clears throat> now, here we have the Christian life. All that is required of us to do. And Peter, here is another example. He comes to the to the gate of an ordinary house, a person who has been delivered out from the inner prison, and the big gate entering into the city opened of its own accord. And now he comes to a small gate leading to an ordinary house, and he knocks there. He begins to knock, and nobody is coming. And he cannot get in. And he's knocking and knocking and knocking, and he cannot get in. And why can he call on an angel? Can he pray and stand there and pray? No, he's not standing there and praying for an angel. An angel had delivered him. But this is something that you can do or another person can do for you. And God has endowed us with, with wisdom and with energy and with various blessings that we are, we are commanded to do. We are commanded, we are appealed to, to do all that you can. And there are many things you can do. You could, have, you could have gone to bed instead of coming to church. But he has told you where, where to find him and what to do concerning your salvation. And you need not be waiting for a miracle, but read Turn to the word of life and consider it. Just many are, many are reading the word of God and they read it hurriedly through and wait not for to see what it says. I was walking a, a year or two back in the city of Edinburgh and I met a man on the street and he stopped me and asked me a very interesting question. He said, how can I become a Christian? I was brought up a Muslim and I'm not happy in it. And I was sorry that I did not take his name and address with me. I spent quite a while on the street 
uh, talking to this uh, big, handsome-looking man. And I, I asked him, I said, have you got a Bible? If not, I said, that is the first thing that you have to do. And he's, he had an attache case with him, and he opened it and, to, and took out a new Bible. So I knew then that he was actually a seeker. But I, I knew I just told him simply, I said, I cannot, I cannot turn you to, a, to be a Christian at all. Nor anyone else. I said, you have to go to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is speaking in his word. And I said, if you have, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Open it at the Gospel according to John, the first chapter. Read the first verse and stop, and the second, and go on like that. Don't hurry over it. Think what every verse there says, and keep on reading till you come on to the fourth chapter, reading slowly, and you will understand there what the Lord Jesus Christ is and how he saves sinners. Has he saved the Jews? How he saved Nicodemus, a very educated lawyer, and how he saved an ignorant uh, woman who was uh, who was given over, you might say, to sin. Sin dominated her life. And it's by the same way he led each one of them to behold himself, that he was the Savior. And that is how you can find it also. You return to the scriptures, hear what he says, Christ said to great declares, I am he, I am the one who was to be sent, I am the one that was declared throughout the whole of the Old Testament. I am seen there in the, in the shadows, and I am seen in the prophecies, and I am now come. Here I am, fulfilling the law, as, as declared. And you turn to your Bible, and read it slowly, and go alone and read it, and hear that the word is to you. It's for everyone who can listen and hear the word of God. And don't expect an angel or anything else, but this is the message. The word can create. It can create a new heart within you. It can bring faith into your soul, and immediately you have this faith. Faith in Jesus Christ is in... Is, Begotten in that soul, that faith exercise upon Christ, or you must unite you to Christ. And immediately you're united to Christ, God declares you a, a righteous person. You're justified, not by, because you were reading the Bible and you, were, you know, did this or that. It is because you are united to Christ and what Christ has done, his life and his death is applied to you. And therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
God is just in justifying the believer because he believes in Christ and is united to him. And you become immediately along with him, an heir, a joint heir with Christ of an eternal inheritance, an inheritance undefiled and that shall not fade away. And surely, if anything is worth striving for, it is that, that you might become a joint heir with Christ of an eternal inheritance of glory and blessedness. Well, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. May the Lord bless his own word. Let us pray. <clears throat> Eternal God, Thou art the Lord God Almighty. Thou art able to do more than we are able to ask or think. And Lord, please Thee to bless Thy own word. For although we would speak with the tongues of men and of angels, we, we shall be thy, like tinkling brass that can sound but cannot bring any life or any help. But thou art able to speak a word in season, and may it please thee to do so. And do care for us now and help us to sing thy praises in parting, and thine shall be the glory now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.